Hello everyone, welcome to our last Postsmiling Café for this year. Um, our guest today is Stefanie Rinne-Lemar from the Technical University in Munich. Hi Steffi. Hi Anne, <laughs> nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> It's great to have you. So you are the Chair of Business Process Management at TU Munich and uh, you are regularly working with manufacturing companies in your research projects. Is this correct? Yes, this is correct. So um, we are very excited about the manufacturing domain and the processes there because, uh, yeah, they offer a lot of challenges. It's a physical domain, but also with a high human involvement and um, also very interesting and complex processes. Yeah, it's, it's really this mix. Huh? So humans are still there, but the machines and you can see things that are happening. So it's really an exciting area. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, uh, welcome to, to the cafe. Um, welcome also yeah, all of you watching, as always. Um, most of you who are watching, um, have watched past cafes, know that you can participate. So we have just below this video, there's a chat functionality. Um, there's no, no password or anything that you need to join the chat. And some, some people had, had questions about this in the past, but you don't... Um, need yeah need an account or anything you can just type your name and say uh, enter the chat and then you're um, part of the the group and you can let us know things um, that you want to add or you can ask questions and um, specifically for today's session where we are talking about process mining and manufacturing um, Steffi and I uh, discussed that um, yeah there is often a certain overlap or confusion in terminology, right, Steffi, that people say a certain word and maybe we know certain words from the from the process mining domain. Um, but, yeah, when you use those same terms, um, then they might be misleading. And to give you an example, uh, some years ago, we were working with uh, Giancarlo uh, for his uh, process mining camp presentation where he was talking about the manufacturing process in Switzerland. And he was constantly talking about spaghetti diagrams and uh, spaghetti diagrams was kind of a term that he was using and I was really confused about, about that because as most of you know uh, spaghetti diagrams or spaghetti processes that's a word or a term that we use in the process mining community as well and we use that to refer to very complex and complicated processes that you that you have to deal with and we have developed simplification strategies to deal with these spaghetti processes and things like that but that was not what John Carlo was referring to, but instead in the manufacturing area, there's a specific technique that is called spaghetti diagram, which basically means that you're walking through the, the path in the manufacturing floor um, that is taken by the machines or products that are going through the machines. And um, it's like following yeah, the, the, the manufacturing floor with kind of a pencil. And then at the end, you're seeing this so-called spaghetti diagram so it's it's maybe the effect might be a little bit similar but it's a different concept and so yeah that was a reminder for me that we sometimes need to be really clear about terminology and also be aware if they clash somewhere so what we wanted to do today is to keep a little bit of a running list of terms um, we find misleading or con potentially confusing and also ask you to let us know if you can think of any Yeah, potentially confusing terms so you can add them in the chat and we will keep an eye on what you're saying and um, yeah, bring that into the session where we can so Steffi did you also have a, a term that's misleading to start with yeah I have also an example for this <laughs> and this is um, yeah, a very 
well-known general used term of process so just process itself it's um, i would say overloaded uh, at least in a manufacturing domain and probably also in other domains so for example um process yeah what is the process here so we have um when you talk about manufacturing could be a discrete production process and to give a little bit of a sneak preview, this is uh, what we will be looking into. But there's also this um, like continuous processes from process and control engineering. So for example, if you brew beer or you do other chemical uh, stuff. So um, here you have to be also precise what you actually refer to when you refer to process. And this is something where we yeah, in the beginning also <laughs> of our journey in the manufacturing domain had a little bit of um, learning curve for ourselves um, on how to use these terms and to use it in such a way that is clear what we mean and what we refer to. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great example. I had uh, experiences like that in the past also that people said, well, I want to do process mining. I have a process. But then talking yeah. to them, it turned out actually they were talking about a chemical process and it's yeah. not directly applicable to, to those types of processes. Yeah, mm. right. Mm -hmm. Exactly okay. our experience. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's mm -hmm. let's get started. And um, yeah, so you have you're doing a lot of research projects in this area. Also, your group is developing an an open source process engine, CPEE. Maybe we start with that. Can you tell us a little bit what this process engine is and what it is doing? Yeah, um, sure. So um, we have started to yeah, develop a process engine ourselves. So as uh, probably several groups have done, and. Um, What was our goal in mind was to have, um, let's say, lightweight uh, modular process engine. So this, the name CPE is Cloud Process Execution Engine. And this already a little bit suggests that this is a modular way of doing it. So you can also, so everything is like a service there and you can also develop, um, yeah, um, things that you would like to have. And um, then we were getting more and more into this manufacturing domain. So coming from a U project and um, then having also the chance to um, yeah, work, for example, with the Center of Digital Production in Vienna back, that, back then. Um, then we started to develop this a bit further to um, a little bit customization for the uh, <laughs> manufacturing domain. And um, yeah, so... Uh, Currently, I guess uh, from point of numbers, we have 16 manufacturing scenarios across seven different companies that are realized or that run based on this process engine. And uh, this gives us a quite nice overview already of the different challenges and different process scenarios that are uh, yeah, prevalent in the manufacturing domain. Yeah, and a nice byproduct of this is that you can uh, collect the data, right? Which, of course, with process mining, we always need data, and it's not always a problem. Sometimes there are manufacturing processes which are um, where there's some kind of workflow system or some kind of controlling system where the data falls out of that and can be used for process mining already. Yeah. But in other scenarios, maybe that's not the case. But if people are using this engine, then automatically they already collect data as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, and here we we are not like uh, we only yeah we have, don't have to stuck stick to this process engine. But the general idea is that we what we learned is that we can um, 
Yeah, we have this high integration power doing this. So uh, integration power in the sense of um, we have many machines, we have different stations, we have different people in the process. And when you have this process idea, you can connect all of these aspects together. And this makes it uh, very interesting also from a data collection point of view, because you can also collect data in a contextual way. This is... Um, something that we learned and this is then very nice also when you look then on process mining and what you can do here yeah yeah okay we will we will come back to this a little mm -hmm. bit later i think so you also brought an example right so should, yes. should we take a look at that so i can yes. mm -hmm. show the slides here with the video that you brought so yeah so it starts playing right now so Yes. So can you talk us through mm -hmm. this example? Sure. Yes. So um, we thought that maybe, yeah, like this concepts and what we are doing is maybe illustrated uh, here at a concrete example. So what we can see is on the left-hand side, you can see the processes, how they are implemented in this, um, yeah, let's say CPE. We have a super process that um, consists of sub-processes that run The machine now on the right bottom, we can see here the part that is already in the machine. And now we can see, so you see this red colored tasks in the process, and this is what actually is um, currently active. And now we can see that the machine starts um, churning the part, the material, and that now also this uh, production is here started. So something is milled here so i can see um, the different steps and um, on the very right side it's a little bit cut um, there's also a parallel small process that collects all of the different contextual data that we have with this process so we have one data source that's the process itself The events are also locked, but then also we have the other source, uh, which collects, for example, temperature, energy, fluid level inside the machine, and so on. And uh, what I find very interesting is that um, you can see that these tasks that are here in the process are at a very fine granularity somehow. So we have... Um, every little step that takes place and that is necessary to run this scenario is a process task and um, therefore can be also kind of yeah, documented or the data about it can be collected at this granularity. And uh, yeah, such processes typically, they have two big phases. This is the production where we are currently in. And then we will see that the next phase is the measurement of the quality of the product that we have produced. And um, if you think about how processes are often modeled is, this would be a two-step process. <laughs> It would be something like produce part and uh, measure part or something. And um, when you compare this to what we see here, you can see the differences. So um, <laughs> granularity wise, and there's also some expectation that uh, the higher granularity, the finer granularity here can also lead maybe to different insights. So, but now something was happening. So uh, you can see here now the part has been produced and now the process not only drives the machine producing the part, but also, and this is this integration that I talked um, about before, the robot is now taking out the part. So it's, um, it's a little bit slower than in reality for <laughs> video reasons, but uh, you can see here, so this is now this grip. 
and um, there's also something happening in the process because the, <laughs> the execution um, progresses and now the robot grips the part. And so the first phase of the process is now more or less uh, finished because the part is produced. And of course, we have this uh, quality control also for every part here. We are producing a batch overall. And uh, for this specific part of the batch, we are now entering the second phase, which is the measurement phase. And here we have two measurements, as we can see in the process here. We have measure with Kians and measure with micro Wu, micro Wu. <laughs> and um, this is some optical measurement. And now the robot will also do this. So it's fully automized in the sense that there's no human involvement directly in the process. So before this is, was often done by a human uh, worker to measure the part. Um, according, for example, also to engineering drawing, where you have all the dimensions and tolerances um, of the part. And uh, this can now be done automatically. And you can see that both parts, like the production and the measurement, are now combined in the process. So you can connect, for example, problems, in principle, problems now with the measurement, which you detect during that phase, to the production before. And this is actually what you want because you would like to see maybe, okay, maybe there's, um, okay, the quality of the part is not uh, sufficient. Um, and what was the problem in the production before? So you have this, um, yeah, the integration here of these two parts. And this is an optical measurement. So the part is now put in the middle of these two <laughs> devices here. And um, also now, of course, all these measurement parameters are collected with the process take some time here <laughs> and uh, yeah then finally after measuring this this uh, the robot will put the part um, onto the tray where we then can also see the batch so let's see if this is then changing to the next step here So as I said, it's a little bit slower than in reality. How, how much slower is it, Steffi? How, how, how much faster would it be? Would it be something really fast or would it be twice uh, as fast? Or? Yeah, it would be a little bit smoother, let's say. There wouldn't be like, so So what we did is that we kind of, for example, before we, we, we took a little pause before gripping. So this would be a smooth, maybe a movement towards uh, yeah. grabbing the part or here also then towards the tray. Um, but um Yeah, for the video taking, <laughs> there were some uh, pauses. So, um, but now it should be almost at the end. But I think this uh, tray is also interesting because it, yeah, you can see it here. So one of these towers was already uh, produced. Now it's the second one. And overall, there will be a whole batch of these uh, parts then in the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an, that's an interesting Thing, eh? So you, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about two things based on what you what you just explained. So first of all, the the detail. Let's talk a little bit more about that because that's completely true. Of course, if you want to specify a manufacturing process like this and uh, have this be run by a system like that, you need to define it on a very detailed level and maybe more detailed than um, yeah than you might think. So is this something mm -hmm. that people already do? What do you find? Is it, are they 
do they have their processes specified already on this detailed level or is this something new for them? Well, yes, I think the um, overall this kind of processes and process support is often a bit new, particularly when it comes to this, yeah, integrating the different stations, the different machines um, together. But on the other hand side, I would say that the domain experts think in these kind of granularity levels somehow because they have this um, view that these are all like extra logical steps. So I think it's maybe more, in my opinion, that's just a guess. Now it's clearer to the domain expert than to the process modelers sometimes. What is the right granularity? Because here you need the domain knowledge to to really know yeah. <laughs> where the different tasks are separated from each other, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And do you involve the domain experts then in this in this initial modeling task, or how does this work? Yeah. So at the moment we um, model. But the processes are modeled with the domain experts. And um, here we try to support them. For example, they can specify the tasks and input and output in a textual manner. Mm -hmm. So this is then also, yeah, for example, important for archiving. <laughs> so for example, we have the experience that sometimes after 20 years, there's the customer coming again saying, hey, I want this part. It was produced 20 years ago, and then sometimes it's not uh, even clear anymore how to produce the part. So this textual documentation has also some nice side effects, too. And then based on that, we then um, take the next step towards the execution design. So we have like a con more conceptual design, which is done by the domain expert. And according to our experience, um, As soon as they start, they cannot stop anymore. So uh, this uh, it takes some maybe some initial effort to get people into this, but then um, afterwards it it worked very well. Yeah. Okay. That's mm -hmm. that's uh, that's that's good to know. And so here we're talking about the the initial modeling, the spe specification of the process. But I'm thinking about the same holds true if we're thinking about the process mining aspects of analyzing and improving such a process, right? So, for example, mm -hmm. I was um, just thinking about uh, one of the process mining um, use cases that's um, available uh, also as a video by uh, Joris Kaiser from Veco. What he really nicely demonstrated in his case is that um, yeah, there is like a, often a process improvement expert in the company. For example, he himself is a master black belt uh, Lean Six Sigma and he knows exactly how to yeah. analyze data also with statistical tools and um, yeah, do all kinds of complicated things. But he found that process mining has um, the, the benefit that it's very accessible also to the people who are working in different operational parts of the process who have mm -hmm. the domain knowledge. So it's exactly what you are yeah. describing here. Like maybe the modeler doesn't know, but the person who's the domain expert, they know all the detailed steps really clearly, right? So Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so also we... Um We are working with people really working with the process, the domain experts mainly. And uh, we had also some recent yeah, study, let's say, where we um, asked them, so what do you want from process mining, for example? I mean, there's um, high expectations on that. That's very good. And it's, I think it's um, very 
true that they have these expectations and then we asked them a little bit in more detail and then what was interesting was for to us was for example that there are different expectations for the different stakeholders in such a um, process mm-hmm. so um, we talked mainly to like two stakeholder groups one were the shop floor workers that really work with the process and then also the so-called process supervisors let's say and um, the, the shop floor workers they're very much interested also in like data that comes with the process for example sensor data that exceeds for example a certain threshold and then they can do for example derive that um, maybe some yeah some tool was getting blunt or stuff like that so what really then is uh, affecting their actual work that they're doing and the process supervisors are then more at the level so to say for example yeah, what we would refer to as conformance checking, saying, okay, are there deviations from the prescribed um, process that we have? Um, they are very much interested in online analysis, so what is happening right now, and also uh, what they would like to have is something like predictions. Then, so these were like maybe the two stakeholder groups that we were then. Um, working with and we were also talking about process mining too yeah and the and the the domain experts the ones who are really mm-hmm. close to the process do they yeah are they interested in, in things like process improvement through technology through data analysis or do you find that they say well i know this machine i don't need anything else uh, for that what's your experience yeah. there yeah exactly so as you say there's um yeah, maybe also as in other domains, there's uh, one or two guys who know everything about the machine, the process, and they have done this for, for many, many years. And actually, we have worked with people, they, they can hear that the machine will now have a problem <laughs> later on. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this this is very n- nice in some way, but also, of course, that, yeah, with the whole process management so that the problem is uh, what happens if these people are retiring or not available or whatsoever so there's so much knowledge in their head and um, I think for the company then it's very good (laughs) to have also other ways to do this analysis even though you have maybe these people that can really like feel the machine and uh, crawl into the machine and do all this fixing and these uh, kind of things but um, let's say a little bit more sustainable is then uh, putting this onto um, yeah data analysis process mining uh, base (laughs) yeah yes yeah, I think this this documentation aspect that certainly is one aspect. But also, um, just thinking back again to the example from from Joris from from Veco, what yeah. he explained, um, what he described uh, was that the people who he brought together for the analysis of the process, they came from different parts, right? Because everyone is a domain expert in a very mm-hmm. localized area, for example, for this particular machine yep. or for this particular part of the production process, but not for everything. And so basically what it allowed them was to take a step back and to look at the whole process together and get ideas about what can be improved. And for that, he, he wouldn't be able to do this. Um because he um, yeah, didn't have the domain knowledge, so yeah. it needed the domain knowledge of the people who were involved. But at the same time, they needed to take the step back and look at the whole process to talk yeah. about the right things. Like, right, for example, oh, if you need more, if here we have a shortage or something, maybe I can deliver this twice a week rather than once a week, uh, for example, yes. right? Yes. So 
yeah, it's it's a combination, I think, taking this kind of process view from a yeah. higher level, but then making it so that you actually leverage and make use of this wealth of domain knowledge that all these experts really have in there. Yes, exactly. This is again this, um, yeah, the integration part that you <laughs> not only look at one machine or one uh, workstation or something, but you can with the process, you can yeah integrate all of this together, and then also of course integrate then this expertise of uh, different uh, people, stakeholders, domain experts working in this. Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. And then even the, the quality measurements, but that's something we come back to later. Mm -hmm. First, I wanted to um, come back to one more thing about when you showed the video and uh, of the system and when we talked about that um, yeah, the process needs to be specified, but also it allows you to collect data, right? But mm -hmm. when you then collect the data, you also need to uh, decide um, for make certain decisions, like for example, what the case ID activity name timestamp is. Yeah. Is this always clear or are there also choices? Yeah, this is something that we also learned uh, by doing this. So this was not uh, clear upfront to us that, for example, already the decision, what is an instance? So what is a case um, in this process is already some decision that is very important and uh, has a lot of implications when it comes to process execution and then also the design of the process, but also then on the process mining, what you can then actually derive from that, what are your insights? And so, for example, the main experts there, so we would, or I would, maybe I talk about myself, yeah, intuitively say, okay, well, one of these parts that we saw before, yeah, one of these um, parts that we produced, that's the instance. Yeah, so don't think too much about it. But uh, then we learned, uh, no, this could be also the batch. So we saw uh, at the end this tray of where the different parts were, were put on. Um, and the domain experts might also think in batches that an instance corresponds then to a batch or um, even they could take a machine point <laughs> of view so to say okay the instances are uh, from the perspective of one machine and this is um, already interesting then <laughs> to learn about this that uh, this also is of course some domain consideration that you should uh, make before And, and it's it's potentially misleading also, right? If you just talk about instance and you think about a product or a part and they hear instance and they think batch and then you're basically using the same word, but you're thinking about something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we can add this to, to our running <laughs> yeah. list of ambiguous <laughs> yes. terms. We have spaghetti diagram. We have process uh, we have instance um, instance versus batch perhaps so yeah like we said if, if you think can think of other potentially misleading terms let us let us know we're really curious um, all right so maybe one thing that I'm also really interested in hearing a little bit more about is the whole aspect of uh, data so you mentioned already it allows you the system also allows you to integrate data there's data measurements that are happening for example for quality reasons um, yeah can you can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of data you you find in these types of processes so um, first of all, we have the processes and we, of course, lock the events that are um, yeah, emitted <laughs> by executing these processes. Um, then we have the, the process data itself. So this is the data that is um, 
let's say, exchanged during process execution to run the process. Uh, and now, uh, let's say, in addition, um, what we can collect too is then context data. So context data in term, in the sense that it's not data that is directly in the process data context, but outside the process somehow. So for example, the sensor data. Yeah, so uh, sensor data is anyway collected. So there are a lot of sensors. So if you have like one of these parts, as we saw before, you have um, 80 different sensor streams that are collected during this production. And um, we thought this could be a very valuable source of information to learn more about the process. And then, of course, as you said, yeah, this, this measurements, for example, of the, um, the part, this could be then process context data, of course, because it's necessary for, for example, then in the end, uh, make a decision if the part is okay or not. Um, but in connection with the sensor data could become much more interesting to see, for example, if there are problems with the quality and why these problems occurred. Yeah. Okay. So different categorizations of data and you, yeah, you do different things with them, right? So we also, I think, mm -hmm. is this something that we can see in the slide that you brought? Yes. Maybe, yeah? So yeah. let's maybe take mm -hmm. a quick look at that. Yeah, here we try to um, categorize a little bit what we have. So um, this would for, be, for example, the output of the process execution in terms of the event log or event stream. If we look at it during runtime, it depends. Maybe just a quick mm -hmm. note, because sure. uh, in the last Postmining Cafe, yeah. we were talking about event log standards, and mm -hmm. we were also talking about the old MXML and the new XES format, yes. among other formats. So this is uh, exactly an, an XES uh, data sample. So you can watch exactly. the, the previous cafe if you want to learn more about that. But is this coming out of the, the system in, in, in XES? Yes. Yes. So it's XCS uh, based. So um, we use a little bit of serialization. So XCS YAML, but it's, it doesn't matter here to, uh, at all. So yes, this is directly then emitted by the process execution and locked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then you have an illustration of different types of data here, right? Yes. This is. Um, We try to <laughs> give an overview on the different data that we can um, collect by having like this, let's say this connection between the process execution and the data that is collected within the process execution. And then also the connection to the, let's say external data sources in terms of, for example, these um, yeah, sensor data mainly. And um, I would say that this sensor data It's a very nice source to to have more context on the process and sensor data, for example, not only um, collected in the manufacturing domain, but often in these, if I might, may call it more physical domains, also in logistics, for example, you have temperature in your, uh, maybe in your truck measured all the time or also in the medical domain, many different um, kinds of sensor data like blood pressure, all these things are collected. So um, for all of these um, scenarios, it can be interesting to augment, let's say, this the process event data, including the data that is written during the process execution with these external context data like the sensor streams. Yeah. And um, yeah. yeah. So if I understand you correctly, you use it more as a 
yeah, as additional data sources that can be leveraged, but not, for example, as the primary data source. I'm just thinking of uh, one time I was talking to someone who wanted to analyze the process, like how people walk through a supermarket with process mining, and yep. they had kind of location information, how people move, like just in the um, yeah on the floor. And yeah, it was it's clear that you can't use that type of data directly for process mining. At the very least, we were talking about it at the beginning. You need mm -hmm. we are talking about discrete processes, so at yep. least you need to just make it the data discrete by, for example, um, putting it into buckets, like a um, person moves from segment A to segment B or, yep. or something like that. So, are, are you doing some kind of categorization or discretization, if that's the word, also with the data or? Yes, we definitely have some, um, let's say, pre-processing steps on the sensor data. So what we say in, in this scenario that we have here, we have we know the process already, right? So um, this is something, if you have maybe just the sensor data, then <laughs> um, questions if you can really find out something about the process because, um, yeah, do you know which of the data points Yeah, belongs to which of the process instances and then all these things. So we, we have already knowledge about the process. And also we say we know, for example, where the sensor data is um, connected to. Is it connected to a certain task or to the instance? So do we collect maybe, for instance, um, 80 different sensor streams? But we know at least that these 80 sensor streams time series let's say that we collect with these belong to this instance so this is already of course some knowledge that we that we have doing it like this let's say and also we can uh, pre-process the sensor data beforehand before we use it so if we have it uh, for example connected to a task we could also say we don't want to have the entire stream but we do some aggregation on it already or some yeah some pre-processing so there's something called dead bending for example or other transformations this is uh, something that that we do yeah, yeah. Or maybe if there's a certain range, right? I could imagine yes. that maybe a sensor, let's, if we put temperature, if the temperature rises above a certain level, then this yeah. could be an event that's again relevant also maybe for, for the process control or something like that. Definitely. Um, this is something I, I find very interesting. So, uh, I think so far, for example, if we take talk about data that is analyzed within process mining. So to me, decision mining, for example, comes <laughs> to my mind. So Anne, you're a pioneer <laughs> of this. I, I like this very much. I think it's super important to know what your decisions, decision rules yeah, are in the process. So how do you make your decisions? I think it's super valuable and uh, you really should know about this. Um, and here we could also use the sensor data because here we might come up with um, rules. So, for example, if you take temperature, you could say, okay, well, I do this decision based on temperature below or above 20 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. But we see also that, uh, for example, it's also important to know, for example, that the temperature was above 20 degrees for a certain period of time yeah. or three times in a row. And if you have um, decision rules more in this direction, you need actually, of course, some um, series of data points to be able to to derive such uh, decision rules. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 correct. Yeah, and also, so you mentioned that there's also manual data. So, so can you maybe give an example, like where you would still collect data manually, and then how that might be combined with automatically collected data in some form? 
Mm -hmm. So um, in the video that we saw before, so before we automize the process for this um, scenario, these um, measurements for the quality of the parts were done manually. So um, someone looks first at uh, engineering drawing, for example, where the, they know how the part should look like. And then there's also, for example, the diameter of this uh, produced part or something. And then afterwards you measure it um, if it's in the certain tolerance or not. And uh, now we, yeah, in this scenario, for example, we managed to do this now in an automatic way. So um, because the measurement can be automated in this sense. So, yeah, but still there there could be also manual steps um, like measuring things or, for example, also on the, at the workstations, there's still manual work to be done. And um, here, of course, it becomes more interesting to measure something about the manual work than as, yeah, it's clear that this is then harder to, to, to get the information here, yeah. Yeah, but that's a, that's an interesting point that you, yeah, the example that you gave with the measurement mm -hmm. for to yeah to measure basically to determine the quality so maybe there's a certain specification that should be guaranteed so you need to measure and then confirm okay the the quality is good uh, for that part and yeah that's a little that's one example right what is one thing that has to be right about the process so for example if you think about uh, from a process management perspective often we think about well what do you want to Im improve so it mm -hmm. depends very much on the process what's yeah. the thing that you actually want to improve uh, for example if you're thinking about a click stream analysis on a website mm -hmm. uh, and then you want to often improve the usability of the website and that people can find what they're looking for right but yes. yeah in the manufacturing process very different so it's always depends on the process what you want to improve so i think quality is one thing because probably if the quality isn't good maybe you have to throw away the part and have have to start over again yeah so maybe that's yeah another thing that we could maybe talk about a little bit more like what typical th things are that people want to improve in in, uh, in from a process mining perspective in this type of industry so for example one example i can think about is yeah even taking the the quality as a starting point so that mm -hmm. was actually coming back to the example yep. from uh, Joris uh, that he gave from from his post mining analysis at Veco mm -hmm. for them it was the case that they had a rather long uh, production process and only at the very yep. end they could actually do the quality measurements and mm -hmm. if it wasn't good they had to start over again and so for them what they wanted to optimize um, was actually the duration of the process so that they could be faster in going back and to starting over, but also, of course, the whole planning becomes much easier. So they had brought down the overall case duration, so the process, the duration of the whole process from the beginning to the very end. And they had already brought that down, I think, from 12 weeks, uh, something like that, to four weeks with Lean Six Sigma and process, uh, process improvement methods. And then at that point in time, they were at a certain plateau and mm -hmm. couldn't yeah, couldn't get any better, but that was, um, they still had the ambition and said, well, we want to actually improve this further and we think we can. And this is when they were looking, going outside of their regular methods and were looking for other techniques and they were looking into data analysis techniques and they found process mining and okay. then they um, made that step. And with process mining and exactly what we talked about before by involving um, the domain knowledge of the, the human knowledge of the people working in the process, they could generate more ideas, improvement ideas of getting this improvement 
um, yeah, the process duration down to actually two weeks. So they could wow. cut the four weeks down to two weeks. Wow. And they, they yeah. kept it at that. So it's not temporary, mm-hmm. but continuous. Yeah. Yeah, this is a very good example. And I think this is... Um, one of the, the the side effects if you have really this also the, the full picture of your process because then you know where uh, also what implications you you obtain if you optimize something in a let's say more isolated way but what are the then the side effects on the overall process as you said before you they could also connect all of these different experts in the different parts of the process definitely so if i might add something so if, um, if you see maybe this also this little bit automation mining as a combined thing to do from our perspective yeah. um, so we have in this uh, video example here one of the benefits was definitely that um, the manual measurement was also a little bit error prone as often of course if thing, mm. things are done manually <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, with this automized um, measurement um, the error rate could be reduced, for example. This is also one improvement that was achieved by that, for example. Yeah. And um, another example is um, that, uh, for example, with this um, all the sensor measurement also across all the stations and machines and these things, for example, it was also possible to measure and reduce uh, energy that was used. So one of these companies that used this, uh, yeah, kind of uh, solution, automation plus mining, won also Green IT Award with that. So this is also an example that uh, we can bring here. And maybe finally, what we can do is also with the mining then, and maybe, yeah, then combining all the data sources together, what we can achieve is a better explainability of uh, <laughs> effects that we might have. So, for example, we see sometimes that there's a, for example, a change happening, concept drift happening. You have to adapt something at the process. And why are you doing this? So, if you can look into the data and can maybe make some connection to see, okay, maybe it was because, um, yeah, we had problems with something, the machine or so, then this is also a valuable improvement. Let's say at least you understand. <laughs> to some extent what's going on yes actually that you brought an example for this particular process mining analysis as well right so let's maybe take a look at that yeah too so yeah so it starts with this part yes this is um this part is called gb12 it's part for wealth for container ships so it's a small part but (laughs) <laughs> it's actually necessary for something quite big, let's say. And here again, it was like the, the process behind um, was also, again, these two parts. So we had the production part of the process and then again, the measurement. You can see yeah. there's <laughs> this pattern <laughs> happening. And um, then um, we had two things. So when we were measuring and actually one of the parameters or data that we were measuring here is the diameter. So the diameter is definitely important and it's specified, for example, in the engineering drawing beforehand that this is one of the quality parameters. And when we were measuring this um, and the sensor data, when we can see that maybe can go. (laughs) Yes, uh, the diameter here, you can see this is, for example, some of these time series that we were talking uh, 
about before so here for example in millimeter over time um, we could see using some existing method from time series analysis very fancy name dynamic time warping here <laughs> that uh, somehow the time series seem to deviate from the previous ones and what has happened is that we saw then on the actual real world part maybe we can click here yeah that there were uh, chips produced on the part that were actually influencing the measurement of the diameter of course because we have these yeah quite substantial chips here and this happens for example if the machine gets blunt or something so i'm no engineer i'm sorry if the <laughs> i i am saying something wrong here but actually this was uh, the reason for that and then if we may get to the last part then we can use this in two ways so what we can see in the process, um, due to this problem that was happening here, there was um, a change made to the process. So a concept drift was happening that, uh, for example, we had an extra step chip removal, which was not be, um, there beforehand. And um, with this um, sensor data analysis, what we can do, so we can either use it to explain ex post why a chip removal is necessary or we could also if the the sensors start to deviate we could also for example at least say um, there could be something happening a concept drift might become necessary to deal with this situation so we can use this in two ways and this was yeah uh, in this um, case very obvious that this is really a problem with these chips and uh, so it was a nice example that where we could use this um, specific data here, this diameter measurement. Yeah. Yeah. And it's exactly, it's also a nice example from what we were talking about before, how you can leverage this additional data, right? So you have the sensor data. So detecting changes like that can, can be something that you can use in your, in your process analysis also. Yes. And you can use it also, for example, in general to, to make some predictions on, on the outcome of the process, for example. So the outcome Let's say the course level is here, for example, is the part okay or not? You could do mm -hmm. this also in a more fine granular way, of course, the quality, but let's say very roughly you can say okay or not. And uh, then you can over the process. So an interesting is not always the, necessarily the same sensor data that is uh, influencing maybe the quality. So, but as the pro process progresses, you can combine this, for example, with, um, yeah, outcome prediction, conformance checking, whatsoever, where you think about deviations of the, of the um, process execution from something that you have described before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's uh, it's, uh, so, so nice to think about that. There's so many different things that are still possible, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, leveraging data and um, Yeah, enables all kinds of very specific analysis. Also, especially if you have a particular domain and a particular process, and you know what you're looking for. Yeah, you can make very tailored and very maybe even advanced kind of data analysis just around mm -hmm. the concrete problems. But at the same time, so that's why the range is so big. That's like kind of the very specialized end of this range. But then on the other end, we have kind of general a general support in, in, in general process improvement methods. So, for example, uh, we were talking about Lean Six Sigma before. So that's, of course, something that comes out of the whole manufacturing area today. It's also often used in, in service industries. But, yeah, that's mm -hmm. uh, kind of one set of, it's not one method, right? It's a, it's a set or a bag of, of different tools and methods yeah. that people use there. But, um, for example, 
yeah what they often look for is also that's maybe another example what you can analyze with process mining also um, where they're looking at um, downtime at a, sh a certain machine so for example at last year's or oh, it was this year's post mining camp actually um, Klaus Kühnel from Wacker was talking about uh, how they utilize a certain machine Mm -hmm. And uh, by just because these are so expensive machines that are, um, yeah, if if there can be just a tiny um, bit of improvement being made mm -hmm. on, on that the machine can be utilized better, they could actually um, translate that into a 17 million uh, savings per year. Wow. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. they, <Yes. laughs> they could kind of improve that also in other, mm -hmm. in other areas. But then at the same time, it's not just uh, downtime on any machine, but often what people do, and I think that's also a really nice combination that's, I think, especially relevant for the whole, yeah, using cross-mining in the manufacturing space, is that you can also look into the theory of constraints. So we saw another uh, example for that, not this year, but last year's cross-mining camp mm -hmm. by um, uh, Lufthansa, And they were looking at logistics processes there and they were using the theory of constraints. And with the theory of constraints, you're not just um, optimizing everything at the same time, but you're looking at the overall process and you're looking at where in the process is the, the biggest bottleneck. So mm -hmm. where is the biggest problem area mm -hmm. and then you focus your improvement efforts on that particular piece and then you optimize mm -hmm. um, That machine, for example, that that doesn't have downtime, so you max, make sure it's used in the maximum possible way uh, and you try to work towards this bottleneck yeah. in the best possible way so that it never mm -hmm. runs out of pieces to put into and, and these kind of things. And then only once you have resolved that, you're moving, let's say, to the next uh, kind of bottleneck, right? So it's, it's yeah. in a yeah. way a very simple method but just this kind of general practice of what have people have been doing this for decades now this types of analysis but then with process mining you can actually take the data from the process and you can directly support these types of analysis on yeah for these kind of improvement yeah. professionals so. yes yeah And you can connect these bottlenecks together right that's, that's maybe not only yeah. one machine having some problem or bottleneck but uh in some certain order in an over and then spending way. So, um, yeah, here process yeah. money is definitely exactly. helping a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe this brings us back to also mm -hmm. uh, one of the points you talked about earlier already you talked about the measurement that it's actually done in a manual yeah. way but maybe that's a little bit error prone because maybe it's not done exactly in the same mm -hmm. way every time. So they were actually automating the measurements. So I think the whole topic of automation, right, it can be one of the outcomes also of, an, of a process mining analysis, for example, that you say, well, this is a part of the process. Maybe we can find to automate that. So what do you find regarding automation in, in, this, in this area? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, we have looked into this um, currently 16 different uh, process scenarios and uh, from an automation perspective we see a whole range so we see um, like this um, very high automation level as we saw in the video because there was uh, yeah no human involvement actually but up to also uh, processes where there's a higher human involvement and also what is interesting um, for automation is definitely your starting position if you start from total greenfield which is maybe not very realistic or if you start from uh, full legacy <laughs> scenario so um, 
for the video example, for example, we had a mix of uh, both. So we had some legacy system machines, but also we could do our process automation, for example. And we had also this human involvement before, but then later on it was fully automized. Um, so there's a whole mix of different uh, <laughs> uh initial situations that you have to be able to to deal with but in general with the automation part i would say that um it's not a contradiction that you have also human involvement at all so there are also nice scenarios where you can with automation also support humans in a in a very good way so human workers participants yeah yeah that's mm -hmm. a good point eh? sometimes if people talk about well if the process is automated why do you need process mining it's automated yeah. anyway so it's usually not the case that first of all even if you have a fully automated process things can go wrong yeah. but more often than not it's a kind of a hybrid process where humans are in the loop and work together with the machines so yes definitely so uh for the mining part um it's very interesting to also come up probably with the processes firsthand. So we are mainly working here with the domain experts, but um, if there's already data also available about the process that we could use to, to, to find the models to be automated later on, this is um, an also very uh, good way <laughs> or to, let's say, to do something in a mixed manner. So something, some modeling, some mining part, maybe together in some way. Um, but then also during runtime, so this online analysis and to see what is possibly going wrong. So uh, what came to my mind too, so what is often also a problem is, uh, for example, when you have humans involved, that humans cause some problems. Let's say with the process, so for example, there is a huge safety aspect in the manufacturing um, domain. So uh, for example, if you have really robots that are programmed to do what they do, and they're very, very strong. So uh, we have heard stories mm -hmm. about um, someone stepping inside and then the, the robot breaks your arm or even mm -hmm. cuts it off or something because it's just doing what it's doing. And uh, therefore, the safety issues and uh, also then um, breaks of the process execution because someone is stepping inside the safety area for some reason. This is also something that has a lot of effects and can be also nicely analyzed also by process mining techniques. For example, if you look at the temporal aspect that you definitely also have in, in process mining uh, and uh, what were then the, the, the implications that happened afterwards. So this is also something what we learned is really very interesting to be analyzed there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and 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 yeah, I can can imagine when you when you go there, and uh, now everyone is talking about, for example, robotic process yeah. automation yeah. in in certain areas. But is that a term that's even yeah that's used there, or that would be confusing probably, right? Yeah, totally. So uh, this is a very good example here as well. So robotic process automation actually, so as it's meant by the basic definition, does not really have to anything to do with robots in the sense that there is, uh, as we saw before, for example, in the video, a robot like that. So it's more like you, it's very much task oriented. So this is um, for certain tasks where you, for example, also due to some legacy issues or whatever, you don't know what is really going on inside the task. And if you want to automate it, you um, observe, for example, the user interaction with the task or input output. And based on that, then you um, put a software bot <laughs> on the task and automate it. And we had um, 
maybe as a little side story, we had an, a real robotic process automation moment because in the scenario that I showed before, also to start the machine, this was done manually before by a skilled worker pressing on a button. But uh, obviously, the skilled worker can do something better than starting always the machine. And then we did a robotic process automation with a real hardware because we used a rubber finger to start the machine. And this is then something which is uh, maybe closer to what robotic process automation uh, suggests to be. But in general, we have also worked with robotic process automation in terms of that we had tasks where there were so high legacy uh, requirements, let's say. So, for example, that, that we... we yeah, we should have uh, be able to access the database, that, but this was outsourced to some external company, and so we couldn't access it. And then we, yeah, we, we, we tried to find out what our input output and then did a robotic process automation based on this uh, task. Yeah. So for, let's say, high legacy requirements on certain tasks, this can be also some way to, to come up with automation here. Yeah. 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 Okay, so the, the robotic process automation should definitely go on the list of terms you should be careful about and be really clear yes. about what you mean. When you yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this robotic is maybe a little bit misleading and also the process because it's maybe more a task automation here. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, mm. that's right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and you. I think in terms of automation, you also mentioned um, sometime that um, you you prefer orchestration as a term over automation in certain mm -hmm. scenarios. Can you mm -hmm. explain why that is the case? So this is um, also a very good example for our list, maybe. <laughs> so yeah. with the um, term automation in the manufacturing, this is again maybe an overload the term and misleading in some sense so uh, um, therefore for example we we prefer orchestration there because this leads the domain experts more directly in the sense <laughs> how we uh, what, what we mean actually and also i like orchestration in the sense that it um, reflects um I think in addition to the automation part, it reflects also that you integrate different, for example, machines, different systems together. So you orchestrate a set of, um, yeah, as I said, machines and so on together in a process uh, logic way. Mm -hmm. And this is what orchestration suggests maybe even more than automation um, yeah. does. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, I understand what you mean. So mm. automation, in a way, sounds really simple. Uh, in a way, uh, and orchestration already, yeah, signals that there's actually more involved, and things have to be, um, yeah, integrated, like you said, and put together. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's, that's maybe also an, an important point regarding expectation management, right? So when mm -hmm. when someone wants to do a project in this space. Do, do you find they have sometimes inflated expectations? Do they have realistic expectations? What do you do um, to manage mm -hmm. this? And yeah, maybe what does a realistic scenario look like? Yes, so um, as we, if we follow this approach that we um, followed and see in the video, for example, of course you can say, well, um, yeah, you have to have someone modeling the process or finding out about the process by process mining beforehand and then doing all these uh, things. Um, sometimes 
I feel that maybe some of the trends or so existing nowadays suggest a bit that you can just um, say, okay, well, here's all the data and uh, throw it in and then your process will emerge by, by magic somehow. And um, also, I don't know your experience, <laughs> uh, but uh, the data part is often the hardest part in, in such projects. So, and uh, I think there's a general story in, in most of the data science, business intelligence, whatever projects that are collecting the data, preparing it, and up to the point that you can do the analysis parts is often the hard part. And we try with this automation orchestration that we are doing to make it easier because you have, if you do that and if you pay the effort, you have kind of guaranteed <laughs> output, of course, somehow. Yeah. Um, but starting from this, I'm also interested in, of course, looking into uh, where can we relax this, where we can maybe say, okay, well, we, we go more into the wild and see the data that is out there. So we are not uh, collecting the data into some kind of data lake here or something. It's it's um, also to some certain extent, some pragmatic way we are mm -hmm. using here. But um, starting from this, we also know what is actually then going on and uh, we could yeah also work ourselves towards like <laughs> more as i said before into the wild and just collecting the data that's there where we don't know maybe what is belonging to which other data and and these uh things but this would be very interesting what's what's your experience on this uh, data <laughs> effort um collecting the data and so on so and, and maybe also in other projects other domains or so so yeah no that's a, that's a really good point it, the, the the truth is it's it really it's really different it really varies mm -hmm. a lot so mm -hmm. what i also find is that sometimes people are really afraid and think oh i don't have any data or it will be really complicated to have data yep. it does it really does not need to be that way so sometimes yes. it's really easy sometimes the data is there so it's always that, like that's what i always recommend it's always mm -hmm. worth checking what data mm -hmm. is there and just to see uh, what can you do with the data that is currently available often mm -hmm. Maybe mm -hmm. there are gaps, maybe there are certain steps that are not in there. So then you can yeah. still analyze it and be aware of those blind spots and just mm -hmm. know that you don't see certain parts. But what you do mm -hmm. see, you can you can work with that. And um, yeah, so it, 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 it really, it's different. But of course, in many situations, there can be quite some work regarding the data preparation or finding the data. So it's important to be realistic about that and make an assessment first before you, for example, make the, the planning for your project so that you don't run out of time and have enough time planned in to, yeah, mm -hmm. to, to get this done. Yeah. And maybe here the manufacturing domain is also um, challenging in the sense that you have so many data sources uh, in principle there, uh, which is very good on the one hand side, because you can probably do many <laughs> things, many analysis and get a lot of insights from it. Yeah. Um, but then maybe really this, this integration part to bring the, the different things, different aspects together in a meaningful way is uh, might be a challenge, yeah. a challenge here. Yeah. Yeah, and often, so what's, I think, a really good situation is, is that if you can have someone, again, brings us back to what we discussed yeah. before, who has the domain knowledge, knows about the process, but also can work with the data to mm -hmm. maybe bring it into yeah. a, the shape that it needs to be in, if it's not completely already in, in the form that you need it for process mining. So, for example, mm -hmm. uh, Klaus from from Wacker, who um, yeah analyzed this, this mm -hmm. uh, machine uh, there, he's someone who can really yeah take the data um, and then transform it or 
put it in, in a different way. And then he works with that data with different analysis tools, not just process mining, but others. Yeah. So often I think finding those kind of people who are living between these two worlds, who still know the process, have the domain knowledge, but also can work with the data. That's often, yeah, if you can find someone like that, that's the best person to involve <laughs> totally because um if we when we collected first the data so with this 80 sensor streams for example mm -hmm. uh, we yeah we can look into it but we don't know what it means partly of course because uh, we, we we don't have the domain knowledge and uh, then to to be able to work with the data and then also um for example do an interpretation of the results of what you have then in the end this is uh, often yeah requiring a lot of interaction with the domain experts and this is for example also something that that we try to convey to our students that yeah. we try to do um somehow realistic yeah let's say with realistic data at least uh data sets a business intelligence project or a process mining project and everything and that uh, they, they they get some feeling that they have to be able to talk then to the domain experts and ask them about okay what does this mean and and for the manufacturing Uh, domain even even when some some of them had to to go really into the the, the yeah the physics physical aspects then yeah. behind it so why is something like this and happening and so on this is very interesting and um, challenging yeah Yeah, no, I, I completely also recognize what, what you're saying here. And that's maybe one of the other learning points or, let's say, points of attention for someone who makes, who, who plans a cross-mining project is that they um, make sure they have this access to the to these domain experts, to yes. these subject matter experts. So, yeah, yeah it's... Yeah, you, you can't just talk with the manager and they give you some data and send you away for a few weeks and then you come back with a presentation. Exactly. You need to have someone in the organization who you can go to with questions because once you start looking at the data like you described, you will you will have questions like what does this mean or what's behind that yeah. step. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so we also had an example. There was this was a huge data set. I'm not recalling exactly, but like out of really a high number of parts, let's mm -hmm. say if it was 1000 or 10000 or even more yeah there were like two were were uh, faulty yeah but which is a, a very small percentage only was was faulty and then was other here's the data and and yeah uh, tell us why this is <laughs> happening but uh, because it was only so few and so on what what can you do about this this is then uh, this this is very hard and also don't understand probably what's going on here and um, yeah this Uh, was even yeah close to impossible to say something about this here. Yeah. Oh. I can imagine. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well maybe I think this um, yeah this uh, yeah we we talked a, a, about a lot yeah. of different aspects of this whole mm -hmm. um, space and industry. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things still to do there. So maybe. Yeah. To, towards the end now, do you want to say a little bit more about current projects, what you're doing with your research group in this in this space? Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, definitely, so manufacturing is one of the application domains, but uh, in general, we also, um, of course, uh, do this at a more generic uh, level. So um, we are looking into also compliance a lot. Also, this is a little bit uh, connecting to all of this uh, data and uh, uh, finding the processes and so on. And what we are interested here is um, compliance monitoring during runtime, even doing also predictions with the compliance um, monitoring and also 
this is the other big source of data that we have um, if we talk about regulatory compliance or technical compliance and these things. Often we have to first get the constraints out of the textual sources. So this is also a huge challenge to do that. Um, and in addition, so from the application domains, we just um, also started to look, look more into logistics and the processes there. And here also combination um, of, for example, how you can um, combine optimization with then afterwards the, the process mining and the automation of processes. So if you have, for example, constraints and you know you should plan the process uh, in an optimum way, and um, but then the process mining, for example, the collection process mining could play back the data that is actually uh, happening during runtime and reality and mm -hmm. uh, how these worlds can also come together. This is also a future interest. Okay, so this goes then a little bit more into operations research yes, exactly. areas also. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah there, there, I can imagine there's a lot of interesting topics there. And what you said was the textual data. Do you mean like that you need to do like some text mining or something on some data sources to process it? Or Exactly. So we are, uh, yeah, um, basing this on, on NLP mainly as a natural language processing techniques so we are not like uh, the experts on this and also not developing really new techniques in a sense but more like methods and what we know is probably a bit on the compliance <laughs> so what we need as an output to be able then to for example directly implement this within a process or then do the compliance checking later on um, or do it directly on the process and all of these kind of things so this um, is also interesting <laughs> and very challenging yeah yeah okay so well many many interesting um yeah research um theses and topics uh, papers are in this i'm sure maybe I if hope. someone who's watching right now wants to work with with your group they can of course find you and and, and tell yeah. you and do some projects right Yes, yes, please do. And um, yeah, for example, for this operations research process mining combination, there's a new, or let's say there's a graduate school that is uh, where I'm now part of, and there's currently open positions, if I might say this. So yes, thank you, Anne. <laughs> Perfect. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So apply for that if you if you want to. Um, yes. And um, yeah, I think this. This brings us to, to the end of the session. Very interesting area, processes that you can literally see, processes where you have to be a little bit careful about the terminologies that you use. So, um, well, the running list that we came up with was spaghetti diagrams, process, process automation, but also instance where the batch processes, right, and yes. automation in general. Yes. Yeah. If yeah, if any any more term, terms come up uh, uh, later, I'm still curious and interested in them. You can send them to me directly, or you can send them to us via cafe at fluxacom. That's also the email address where you can send uh, questions or feedback or maybe topics that you would like to see discussed in a future Postmining Cafe. So I would say yeah, that's that's it for today. Thank you for joining us, Steffi. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. It was super interesting. Thank you for having me and this great discussion. So I, yeah. Great, great, great. I'm, I'm really happy you could come. So it was very good to have you here. And thank all of you also for, for watching. Um, sign up for our mailing list at the bottom of this page if you want to be notified about upcoming Postmaning Cafe sessions. We will be back in the new year with a new Postmaning Cafe on 31st of 
January, where we will talk about uh, change management. So that's it for today. Thanks, everyone. Have a a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye.